You're listening to a bonus episode of The Dairy Age, featuring Chagisk's weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also available as a podcast. I'm filling in for George this week, um, who's obviously filling in for me at the moment. Um, just uh, unfortunately, his mother passed away there during the week, so he's not uh, obviously around at the moment. So, uh, And just a combination of factors has meant that Michelle McGrath has been unable to join us as well this week. So I'm going to be flying solo today. Uh, and we're picking up on the weaning of the calf piece. Um, okay, it's a bit out from we're only just getting to start to feed them at the moment, but obviously as part of a series that George was doing there following through on the calf care events that have taken place across the country. Um, we're just picking up on that piece. And I suppose the, the real reason for talking about weaning in relation to calves is probably down, driven by um, the, the kind of the prolif- proliferation is probably too strong a statement on it. Maybe depending on where you are, maybe you might agree with it. Uh, but summer scour syndrome is something that is becoming very common. Uh, and I suppose just to explain what scour, summer scour syndrome is, uh, summer scour syndrome is basically rapid um, onset of diarrhea, etc. in calves, and they get very, very sick very quickly. Um, I suppose to date there's been no identification of any infectious agent as a cause of it. Uh, and in some cases it can often be considered to be another disease for a period of time before it's actually diagnosed. But uh, what tends to happen is that calves get um, quite sick, obviously, and start to scour, but they also get uh, an inflammation and scabbing around the mouth as well, which makes it very difficult for them to eat and to drink as well. Uh, And as a result, obviously, they'll have rapid weight loss associated with it. So the vet labs have looked at a lot of cases in the last number of uh, years, obviously, where these animals, unfortunately, do die. Um, they have been examined and so forth. And there's no clear cause associated with this in terms of, as I said, an infectious agent. So the suggestion is that it's generally seeming to be uh, associated with where calves are grazing quite lush um, pasture. And the fact that calves are, are selective grazers is also an issue around the fact that they, they're probably picking off the base of the grass where they're in lush grass already which means that they're really not consuming any level of fiber. And as a result, there's uh, a very acidic nature developing in their rumen. Um, then the suggestion, I suppose, why we're talking about it in terms of the weaning side of things is that the calf, uh, is, it's a possibility that people, ha- um, and it's not necessarily true, but it's, it's one of the causal factors that has been identified is that people may potentially be weaning calves with their rumen slightly underdeveloped. Um, and it's just a, a kind of a back to basics has been the theme of the calf care events this year. So I suppose just a refresher in relation to that um, element of calf rearing. So just the, the, the importance of of um, of weaning, weaning management as such. So I'm just going to share um, two slides with you today in relation to this. Uh, management at weaning um, slide here, and these have been presented at the at the calf care events with the last couple of weeks. So I suppose just to go through this in terms of management at weaning, and as I said, I've already spoken about the, the detail behind scour syndrome in a uh, summer scour syndrome here and what it causes. So I suppose just to to, to to come through the whole process of actually weaning the calf in the first place, and I suppose how we're trying to do develop that rumen during the process of the milk feeding period. Okay, so very clearly and very obviously to most of you or to everybody is that milk is a very important part of the early life of the calf. Obviously, and um, get quite good growth rates there. Obviously, the KPIs would be 
uh, one of the KPIs is that they can be doing 750 grams a day. So we we are, I suppose, in general, we talk about trying to do um, 0.7 of a kilo for every day of life, basically, to get them on target and so forth in the longer term. But they, on the milk, during the milk rearing period, they can uh, grow quite rapidly. And I suppose the objective would be that we would be trying to double birth weight in a lot of cases. Now, birth weight can vary quite significantly. Uh, and then the weaning weight, obviously, that is an important factor as well then as to when we wean them to make sure that they achieve their their um, target weights long term. However, what we have probably found is that some of these calves are actually wean- being weaned um, at the target weights and then they're getting uh, exposure to summer scour. And I suppose what we probably haven't a really good handle on is the impact of that summer scour in the longer term. So we know that pneumonia in early life can have obviously have an impact on lung function and obviously has been shown through research to have an impact on production into the long term. And there's probably many studies there that are showing that the scour isn't the greatest um, attribute to have in, in the in the background as a calf in terms of your uh, function long term, either potentially that that may be impacting on lifetime performance as well. So anything that we can do to avoid any upsets along the road are important. So the milk piece of the diet is very important in early life. What we're trying to do there, like I suppose what the reality of it is, is that the calf is very like a pig basically in, um, or ourselves even, I suppose, in, in terms of their early life phase, because when they're born, their rumen is quite small, probably barely the size of my fist here, as you can see there. And we need to develop that. And that takes time to develop. Uh, and how we do go about doing that is is important in terms of getting the development of it to to the level that we need it to. Um, so the milk obviously plays quite an important role in terms of providing the nutrition for the animal in that early stage of life because the rumen isn't in a position to process any significant quantity of of concentrate or hay or straw um, in order to deal with that. And then you can see there the next point like that, obviously offering starter and fresh water from the first week of life is very, very important. And the reason for that is that if 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 you were to go to the to the abattoirs following the slaughter of animals, which we have done in the past for different trials, um, and you look, and examine a room, and or if you just look look on the internet there, and you'll find photos of undeveloped room and versus developed room, and then the undeveloped room and was generally in in the cases of calf will be shown as being a calf that's on a milk diet. So your fairly significant uh, veal operations would be operating on that they're obviously milk, 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 milk with a certain amount of concentrate predominantly. Uh, and that means that that rumen really never develops dramatically because what you're depending on is the actual fermentation process taking place in the rumen to help develop the papillae, as they're called, in the lining of the rumen. And the best way I can describe the papillae of the lining of the rumen is if you were to take uh, the inside of a football, uh, the bladder of a ball, basically, that's what the rumen looks like, uh, a smaller version of it when it's when a calf is born initially. And then over time, as it develops and the fermentation acids from the starter concentrate combined with the water start to develop and so forth, the, the that bladder be, starts to become move into folds and you'll get kind of finger-like projections coming from the, the rumen. Uh, and what's that, what that does, is, and it's a very important element of it, is it's increasing the actual surface area of the rumen. So you can see if, if you were to take it that that, that's part of the, the original stomach. And then we move to this type scenario. You can see that our absorption area is increasing quite dramatically. Or our ability to, to absorb nutrients is going to increase quite dramatically. 
So it's very important that uh, we can do that. And by the way we can do that is by offering course start duration and fresh water from the first week of life. And studies done not so long ago, and I actually saw Ed and Brennan even mentioned it there recently in the journal, I think last week or the week before as well, um, that it's surprising probably in a lot of cases on uh, farms that there isn't necessarily always a fresh supply of water available to calves. Um, and that people are actually depending on maybe uh, bringing water to the calves by bucket or something uh, to the smaller baby calves, we'll say. And ideally, that's something that needs to be addressed because you need a significant volume of water. And I suppose initially it's not critically important, I suppose, in that first week um, in terms of the quantity of water that they're going to consume. But where it is an issue, I would see, uh, and you see it with calf troughs anyway, is that buckets will obviously be at ground level. And the chances are that animals are going to defecate into them so that you're now drinking a very dirty source of water, which may contribute to other factors such as maybe bloat as well, because if calves are consuming uh, bacteria, the, the bacteria can be kind of processed in the stomach and, and trigger bloat incidences possibly as well. So fresh, clean water is important. It's important for adult animals uh, and it's equally important and maybe even more so important for, for young animals. So that pre-weaning diet is very important. Um, in terms of that transitioning across. And I suppose calves like consistency. They like consistency in terms of the times that they're fed within reason. They like consistency in the product that they're fed in terms of that it's uh, that it's mixed at the same concentration, that the temperature is generally the same. Um, and I suppose ideally we don't like to be chopping and changing. And I suppose the recommendation is always there to check, especially with calf feeders, to check if you change to a new batch of, of calf um Milk replacer will say that between, even though it's the same product you might be feeding, that the concentration may vary slightly uh, depending on the batch. So that you need to adjust for that. And that's all just to keep things moving on an even keel. And the time piece is important. Uh, Liam Gannon from Bolek would have spoken on a webinar co during COVID there in relation to um, bloat. But that, that time piece is important in terms of giving the, the calf a chance to process the milk uh, and move through the stomach in an orderly fashion, we'll say, before extra milk goes in. And where that where that chance isn't given, there can be a buildup of, of uh, milk in the abomasum, which can trigger bloat incidences in some cases. So that pre-weaning diet is important. So you want to wean calves gradually. Now, the irony of this, I suppose, is that uh, while we're talking about summer scour syndrome and saying that calves should be weaned correctly, there is actually still, there are still issues being seen with um calf feeders, which would be weaning calves very gradually. I suppose the biggest comment I come across when people switch to, to automatic calf feeders is that they find the calves are weaned in a very, very gradual and very un unstressful way because obviously they're start, they're built up. They're maybe not on six litres initially. They, they get to six litres quite early in the, in the profile and then they stay at six litres for a, a number of weeks and then they start to gradually move down the scale until such point that they're actually not getting any milk at all so that they're being dropped down bit by bit and as a result of that they're actually getting used to the fact that they're not getting as much milk they're beginning to compensate in terms of the concentrate that they'll start to consume at that stage and, and as a result they, they kind of wean in a very gradual and uh, as I said not with no stress and that's quite a good scenario but however the I suppose the catch there may be or this, the question mark there then is how is it that some of these calves then proceed to get uh, summer scour syndrome subsequently? And I'll deal with that in a second, I suppose. So I suppose the one thing I would say is be careful of overdriving calves 
uh, in the early stage in terms of a lot, a lot of milk. Obviously, if I'm full on, on after eating a lot of cake, I'm not going to eat my dinner kind of scenario. And it's the same with milk as regards to the calves as well. So if we feed them an awful lot of milk, we need to be careful and, and consider that they are consuming some reasonable level of concentrate. And ideally, they need to be, as you can see here, eating at least, and I, I'll emphasize the at least one kilo of concentrate per head per day by the time they're being weaned. So we do need to try and trigger that to take place. So some people will be using some uh, power, um, would say maybe the power ad lib feeders or the Liscarl feeders or whatever, maybe giving milk ad lib in some cases, obviously from a labor point of view. Um, but it's important that the, there's a kind of a process of dropping them down bit by bit to start to drive that intake of concentrate to compensate for the reduction in the milk. So a lot of people will just maybe stop the access to the milk overnight or, or during the day or whatever. Um, and that triggers the kind of the increase in concentrate intake at that stage. So it's important that people do that in those scenarios. Uh, and then if we're in the bucket feeding scenario, we obviously have to reduce down the volume of milk that's been fed as well. So moving calves maybe once a day, um, maybe reducing down the quantity of milk over a period of time, whatever works for people best, I suppose. Um, in a lot of cases, you generally get people stop the evening feed maybe. Uh, and then after a week or two weeks, they'll stop uh, feeding milk completely at that stage. So I suppose the, that driving that concentrate intake, um, I suppose in the early start, start, starting point here, we're talking about very small amounts of concentrate, um, only handfuls of it, but obviously a kilo of concentrate. If you've 10 calves in a in a, in a a pen, they're going to be getting a half a bag or a little bit, just around a half a bag of concentrate basically per day. And they should be eating that up fairly re readily then as well, obviously. So consuming it well at that stage. So um, in terms of the target weaning weights, then I suppose, uh, oh, sorry, I suppose just come back to the, the weaning gradually then. I suppose it's very important that we don't, like weaning is a stressful period. We know that from the, the suckler side of things as well, that calves can get pneumonia, obviously, when they're just weaned off, off the cow and brought to the mart and sold. And that the suckler schemes would have been there to feed calves at weaning and so forth and to transition them to um, being weaned from the cow uh, so that they were used to that and um, that they were kind of reducing their, their requirement for milk by giving them the, the solid feed. Uh, and as a result, the weaning of animals improved dramatically with those. So it's important that we transition animals correctly and we don't do too many changes at the one time. So if we change them from uh, twice a day feeding to once a day feeding, we shouldn't be doing anything dramatic at, at that stage because it's a stressful period for them there for two or three days. And as I, I said to groups that I've done these uh, walks with in the last couple of weeks, like you're still going to be going into the calf house to feed other calves in that group in, in that shed, probably. And those calves are going to see you coming. They're going to expect milk. You're not going to give it to them. They're going to be stressed out a little bit over that. And they're going to be a bit anxious as a, as a result. of it. So you, you wouldn't want to do anything else because their stress levels and cortisone and all those hormones and so forth that will rise up. And we, we just need to leave them settled again before we do any other change. And the same is basically if we take them off the milk completely, then. We don't want to turn them out the same day. Uh, I suppose the ideal scenario is that people would be in a position to maybe be giving calves access to grass um, before they're weaned fully. That's not always feasible, depending on yard layouts and so forth like that. Um, but basically, if you take calves off of milk today, they shouldn't be going out to grass tomorrow. They need an adjustment period again to get ready for that. So keep them on the concentrate and the hay and the straw at that stage and then move them onto the grass at a, a, and maybe even and keep the straw available or the hay available at that stage. And again, and they'll still be getting their concentrate. And you're just not making too many dietary adjustments 
in one go and that will help to wean the calves and uh, minimize uh, post weaning checks as well. So uh, I suppose just the final point here is in relation to the target weaning weights. They're dependent on the mature body weight. So many of you will see, um, and ICBF brought it in there, and I think I may have mentioned it in one of the webinars prior to Christmas last year, that uh, they've the weighing, they've new weighing screens basically on the on the on the program there that you can uh, when you weigh calves or, or replacement heifers that it'll pick them up and then it'll give you a figure relative to their actual maintenance figure. So there's a bit of variation in terms of the target weight for cal for calves depending on their maintenance figure. Some will be higher, some will be lower, uh, and I suppose some of the work would suggest that because our cows are getting a little bit smaller. Um, in terms of their overall body weight that we can actually begin to wean at slightly lower rates. So I just need to calculate this now here one second again um, because I've just the sum has gone out of my head. So we're saying that uh, if we say that our cow is 550 kilos, then we're saying that that calf could be weaned at about 82 or 83 kilos. Uh, and that's probably okay to do with the earlier calves. So the calves that are being born at the moment and those early February calves um, will be quite strong by the time they come to weaning anyway. Uh, and they can be weaned off at that stage. I suppose we would be suggesting that any later calves and maybe especially later born calves in, in March, April calves would probably be, be carried a little bit longer on the milk diet, maybe to get them to wean at higher weights to try and close the gap on the older calves so that you have a more even bunch as a result then when it comes to when it comes to grazing and so forth and, and just ease of management longer term. So just to finally pick up on the, the summer score piece, I suppose if we've done all of this right, it's going to be very disheartening to be hit with a dose of summer scour. Um, the, as I said earlier, the cause is unknown. Um, what are the key steps to prevention? So we've talked about one of them in particular in terms of that weaning diet. So if we can get that piece right, the next piece that's left for us to deal with is the pasture management piece. So I suppose the suggestion is maybe that the type of grasses that are growing now, very rapid growth. Um, we've seen issues around mineral nutrition in, in dairy cows, obviously, um, as a result of rapid growth, maybe in different spells during maybe April, May, June type, April, May predominantly, I suppose. And the same is kind of impacting on calves, maybe that they're on very lush, uh, high quality grass. Um, and the risk is that they're basically just consuming a product that's very rapidly fermentable, generating a high pH. So it's very similar to eating con concentrate, basically. And we talk about acidosis in cows. It's almost a form of acidosis in calves as well. So impacting on the rumen as a result of it. And then there's also some suggestion maybe that they might be consuming a high level of nitrogen in the in the fact that the nitrogen has come up to the top of the grass and they're not consuming any fiber as well. So the, the way to manage it maybe is probably to strip graze calves, to force them to graze down into the fiber. Um, and that there, as a result, then they also they, they create a kind of a saliva buffer themselves. Some people have actually been feeding extra buffer maybe in those rations. And there are different products available in some of the calf rations now to try and, um, I suppose, head off or stave off the, the risk of summer scour. Um, the other option, of course, is to go into stronger grass initially. And the other suggestions would be that people wouldn't go to reseeded areas necessarily or very fresh reseeded areas for uh, calves for that early part of the summer in particular, just until they get the chance to develop. Uh, so they are pretty much the solutions, I suppose, that are the options that are out there. Um, so as I said, rumen buffer is one option. Management of the grass in such a way that you're driving them down into the lower quality material, which will have the fibre in it to stimulate saliva production, which will buffer the rumen in itself. 
Uh, and also maybe just keeping slightly older grass that isn't going to be as rapid in terms of its growth um, for calves and stri- and maybe strip grazing, as I said, as well, maybe to force that intake as well. So that's the, the scour piece. I suppose I have one final piece that I want to share with you as well. So there's a study just commenced in Chagas Rural Development section in Athenroy with Cahill Buckley. Uh, it's called The Likely Uptake of Grass Clover Swards Amongst Dairy Farmers. And I'm just going to highlight this here now. Um, so basically, there's a survey that they're looking for people to do. And I'm just going to pop this into the chat. It's actually been on Agriland um, in the last couple of weeks, um, advertising it. So if people want to uh, join in on it, they can do that. So I'll just pop it in here to the chat if people want to to uh, click on it there while I'm talking about it it'll bring you to the survey it's not a very long survey it's just to get people's attitudes I suppose and it's important I suppose from the point of view of getting people's perceptions of clover and what the I suppose the the concerns and issues that people might have with it and I know that there's probably another I think there is another study going to be done in the next couple of weeks and or months in relation to the barriers that people have um, to actually adopting clover so that study has been done in, in conjunction with uh, Brendan Horn here in Chagas Moor Park, Cahill Buckley in Chagas Gannett and Roy in the Rural Development section and um, Doris Lapel in the University of Galway as it's now known, uh, formerly NUIG. And we would just look, we're look, just looking for people to do that. There's uh, actually one for all vo- gift vouchers to be won for participation in it as well, so to entice you into it. Um, so if people would be interested in following through on that, just click on the link. As I said, it's in the chat section there, um, and I'll uh, it'll probably be um, sent out through dairy advisors there in the next number of days as well, through WhatsApp groups, etc. As well, so we'd love if people would participate in that and give us your feedback in terms of your thoughts around clover. Obviously, a huge piece of our climate change objectives, etc. Um, and we're planning and hoping to um, to exploit clover, I suppose, in terms of the future of. Uh, reduced nitrogen and obviously uh, gaseous emissions as a result and maintain our our cow herds and so forth as a result of that and improve our water quality, obviously, most importantly. Uh, And that uh, is going to be driven by clover, but obviously not without its obstacles. And people need to, um, I suppose, air those views and those concerns in surveys like this so that we can steer a course to try and uh, address those. Okay, so thanks for tuning in today. Um, George, I will imagine we'll be back next week. so I actually don't know what he is looking to cover for next week, but if you, you just keep an eye on what comes out there on Wednesday and a reminder, um, that'll be updated. I'll, uh, it'll be up to date for as to what's going to be on on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, just considering it's the 26th of January, lots of you will be calving by this day next week. So I wish you all a very happy, healthy and safe calving season. Uh, emphasize the safe calving season and try and uh, take care, good care of yourselves in the meantime. Okay. Thanks for tuning in and bye for now. That's all for this week's bonus episode from the Let's Talk Dairy webinar series and don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with the usual Dairy Edge podcast on Monday so do listen in then. I'm Stuart Childs and thanks for listening.